You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach talking New York Mets with MLB.com's Mets beat reporter, Anthony DiComo. Been a lot of, lot of rumors surrounding the Mets already um, because for a very good team coming off a great year, they actually have quite a few questions. Um, it seems like the name that is coming up the most and is sort of the most intriguing and probably to Mets fans the most exciting is Ben Zobrist. Uh, and, and you addressed this situation in uh, an inbox this week and sort of broke down the, the pros and cons and why he'd be appealing and, and why the Mets might say no. Uh, what's your read? Is, is there is there real, real uh, momentum to this? Is it is it just kind of, as we say a lot this time of year, kicking the tires? What's your understanding on kind of where that's at? Yeah, I think momentum might be a little strong. Um, certainly he's a guy that they, they really like, and if you uh, sort of mapped out the free agent landscape and looked at all the guys who might fit, who could fit, uh, who they should and will pursue, uh, Zobris is pretty much at the top of the list. He checks a lot of their boxes. Uh, they love his bat. They've liked him for a long time. They love his ability to get on base. Uh, and what they really like is the Mets, you know, losing Daniel Murphy. They don't want to go out and get an everyday second base type, like Howie Kendrick, for example. They don't want that guy because they have Dilson Herrera, who is pretty much big league ready at this point. They want him to get some play, and they don't want to block him fully. So if you get a guy like Zobrist, who has uh, you know this unique versatility, I think it helps them in a lot of ways. And more than Murphy, because Murphy was a versatile guy as well, um, but he can only play the infield. Zobrist can play the outfield, which the Mets love, because then you can sub him for Curtis Granderson or Michael Conforto in the corners on days when they're facing a tough left-handed pitcher. Zobrist is great against lefties. Uh, and all of that goes into it. So on paper, it's just a terrific match for the Mets. Now, the problem is that because Zobrist is so well thought of and, and, and so versatile and so well liked throughout the game, he's got 8, 10, 12 teams that are going to be in on him and going to be uh, at least seriously considering him, if not seriously pursuing him. Uh, Sandy Ellison does not like getting in bidding wars. He's never gotten in one as general manager of the Mets, uh, and the Mets really have shown no indication that they're going to raise their payroll all that much. So uh, when push comes to shove, I think it's going to be tough for the Mets to actually acquire Ben Zobrist. I think they're certainly going to try, but I also think they have some plan Bs and Cs and, and maybe even – D through Z in place uh, in case it doesn't work out because uh, it's going to be a very competitive market for this guy, and as much as the Mets like him, uh, they ultimately might not be able to get him. And that really kind of leads to what I think is, is the big question here, and, and somewhat amusingly, it's, a, it's kind of the same big question that there's been for who knows how long, which is what do they do to ensure that they have, if not a dominant offense, at least an offense in 2016 that is, again, good enough to pair with this rotation and, and win something. I mean, D- Daniel Murphy is not a great player, but he's a good hitter. And, and if he's not back, he'll be missed. Uh, Cespedes would, will certainly be missed if he goes elsewhere. So what do they do to make sure that this is not the offense that struggled through much of the first half of last season? Yeah, I think there's a real fear of that. Uh, you know, in addition to the guys they're losing, you know, you've got Curtis Granderson, who is probably their MVP this year, uh, is going to be 35 years old, I believe. And, and, you know, he's at an age where you can expect some regression and you just hope he doesn't drop off a cliff. Um, David Wright, you can't count on his health. Uh, Michael Kadire gave you essentially nothing last year. 
Juan Magaris had a really disappointing year, and so on and so forth. So uh, with the exception of only a few guys, and really Michael Conforto is the one guy who you could look at in the offense and say, well, this guy we expect to be significantly better than he was this year, playing every day, being productive every day as a second-year player. Um, you know, it's a tricky spot for them. They need to improve, and when you look at the things they're trying to do, acquire a middle infielder, maybe shore up that situation, uh, acquire a lefty-hitting center fielder to pair with Juan Lagares, maybe even platoon with him, maybe take a lot of his playing time. Uh, even if you accomplish those goals, I'm not sure it makes you that really good offensive team that they were in the second half of this season. So I think the Mets are going to try and get creative. I think they're going to look to get creative with a trade. Um, there are some things they could do with the middle infield. We, we, we saw at the trade deadline that they're willing uh, to shop Wilmer Flores, for example. Uh, they've talked about shopping Zach Wheeler, even though it's something that they don't particularly want to do. If the right deal came along, I think the Mets are going to explore all of those avenues. Uh, you know, the one thing they're not going to do is trade one of those top four starting pitchers, but everyone else, for the most part, seems like fair game. So I think if, if the Mets have an opportunity to do something like that, uh, particularly in regards to the middle infield where, you know, you don't really know still what you're getting with Wilmer Flores. Uh, certainly you don't know what's going on with second base at this point uh, as much as the team does like Dilson Herrera. I think there's some opportunities for, them, for the Mets to get creative, and I think they're going to pursue every last one of them. And, and so I think that the question, I think, really, beyond what exactly are they going to do is, and and <laughs> fully acknowledging that they probably won't say explicitly, and acknowledging also that it kind of depends on a lot of other things. But is there money to spend? Is is there? You know, we we they talked a lot about they they'd love to have Cespedes back. Um, we talk about Zobrist, even even if there's not a bidding war, it's clearly not going to come cheap. This guy, there's almost no way he gets seven figures a year. He's almost certainly an eight-figure-a-year guy. It's just a question of how many years and how high-end eight figures. So is there either in free agency or via a trade acquisition, is there capacity in that budget to add one or more players who would make a difference to this offense? Well, the – $100 million question is how high the Mets' payroll can go. And, and like I said earlier, uh, they've really shown no indication that they're willing to pump it that much higher. Now, the problem for the Mets is you've got all this young pitching and you've got uh, some of these young players who have been around, uh, like Lucas Duda, for example, on the pitching side, Matt Harvey, uh, Jared Familia, who are arbitration eligible now and are starting to get expensive. So, the Mets have about $60 million in guaranteed contracts, and you throw in all these arbitrations for guys, and they're up over $90 million just with that. So if you're talking about a payroll that was around $100 million this year, maybe you pump it up to 105 110 would be a reasonable increase. There's still not that much money to spend. Um, so, again, unless they show a willingness to go significantly above and beyond, which they haven't said they'll do, um, and they have shown no indications they'll do, it's going to be hard to, to win a bidding war for a guy like Zobrist. It, it, it's going to be hard even, you know, a guy like Denard Span, who would fit their center field role. Uh, if he winds up having more suitors than, than uh, the industry might ex- expect, it's going to be tough to blow a significant p- portion of your offseason budget on something like that. So uh, that's why they're in a bit of a quandary. And unless, you know, they surprise people and raise the budget significantly, that's why I think, uh, maybe the most significant thing they do this offseason will come via trade because 
you can free up payroll through a trade. You can get creative with payroll. You can uh, take on guys that are cheaper uh, in the right sort of deal. Um, and that's why I think it's going to be an interesting next month or so. Uh, Zilbris is probably going to be because of how many teams are interested in him. I, I see him as one of the first dominoes to fall this offseason. And once that domino does fall, whether it's the Mets or elsewhere, I think it's going to really free up uh, a lot of the ideology around what the Mets are going to do, and, and you're going to be in a hurry um, which directions they're trying to go. Is there any chance that they might again sign a guy with a qualifying offer? And the, re- the reason I ask that is is a very specific thing, that that's an asset, and it's, it's clearly an asset that has, in some sense, monetary value. But it, it, the draft pick, I mean, but that – that compensation might bring down the case, the cost of some guys. I guess what I'm asking is, is there some scenario in which they might cut upfront dollars by paying essentially the cost of losing a draft pick for a second straight year? It's a possibility. Uh, you know, the Mets don't like to have a hard and fast rule that say, um, you know, we don't mind signing guys with qualifying offers, or, or we or we won't do it, um, and so on and so forth. So it's more a matter of the player versus what he's worth to them versus what the draft pick that they would lose is worth to them. Um, you know, last year was a very unique situation for the Mets. They badly needed a corner outfielder. They looked at the market. Um, they didn't expect the Rockies to tag Michael Kadire with a qualifying offer. And once they did, the Mets were kind of wary of signing Kadire. But then they looked at the market again, and they said, look, we like this guy better than everyone else. Uh, we're just going to do it. We're going to go for it. And, you know, in retrospect, it wasn't a good decision because Kadair didn't have a good season. Um, but the process was in place where they said, look, this is a guy we're going to go out and get him. And, and if that's the case this year with any players, um, I don't think they'll hesitate to do it again. However, this is a farm system now that has graduated a ton of guys. Most of their top guys are in the big leagues. They traded away a lot of their and C-level pitching prospects um, this past summer. So it's a farm system that could definitely use a boost. Uh, they obviously get an extra pick with Daniel Murphy, assuming he signs elsewhere, um, because they gave him a qualifying offer. Uh, I think ideally they would like to boost the farm system a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to dictate what they do this offseason one way or another, but I do think that will be in the back of their minds. And another thing to think about is uh, – you know, this isn't necessarily a tenable strategy every single year, but if the Mets wind up doing very little this winter, like they did last year, uh, I think there's a real thought within the front office that, hey, you know, the strategy we took in 2015, which was kind of hang around, see where we're at, and then make a big push at the trade deadline, that's a pretty viable strategy because guys come cheaper. Uh, you saw some of the deals that the Mets got. Uh, you know, I think, obviously, in retrospect, with the production that Cespedes gave them, that deal was a steal for them, and despite giving up a really good pitcher and Michael Fulmer, a really good prospect who has a very bright future, um, Sandy Ellis has already said, look, I would do that deal 100 times in 100 chances if you give it to me again. Um, so I think that's another thing they're going to have uh, in the back of their minds going into this, uh, going into really the meat of this offseason was that, look, if we do very little and wind up starting Wilmer Flores at shortstop and Dilson Herrera at second base and maybe just upgrading you know, that center field platoon position and getting a backup infielder and, and so on and so forth, that doesn't mean we're dead. Maybe our offense isn't where we're going to want it to be, uh, but that doesn't mean we can't improve it throughout the course of the season, add payroll throughout 
the course of the season and so on and so forth. So just another thing to keep in mind as we go into, like I said, a, a pretty interesting uh, offseason for the Mets that, that's not really linear in any respect. You can't say that they're going to do ABC and punch those boxes and be done because there's any number of directions they could go right now. bit of friendly advice someone should tell uh, Sandy Alderson not to use the expression keeping the powder dry. That's something that uh, got a lot of heat for when the similar strategy was used in San Luis. So just, just in a little bit of friendly advice there. But, uh, um, Anthony Como, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks everybody for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.